0: Welcome back to episode 83 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today, I am joined by both Matt Collins and Brian Joyner. Guys, welcome back to the show for another exciting edition of this podcast. Woo! Yellow. Um, So, let's kick it right off with some injury news. Uh, Steven Wright, the vaunted knuckleball pitcher for the Red Sox, uh, has gone on the DL with some right knee inflammation. Uh, If you didn't know this about Stephen Wright, he had been recovering um, most of last year from the same surgery, uh, knee cartilage reconstruction surgery, uh, that Dustin Pedroia underwent this past year as well. Uh, Interestingly enough, surgery performed by the exact same surgeon, um, and uh, he's experiencing some inflammation in that knee. So it looks like uh, Stephen Wright has really no clue when he's going to be back Uh, for the team, and uh, Dustin Pedroia still doesn't have a timeline either. So this knee reconstruction thing, this cartilage thing, doesn't seem like it's uh, the easiest thing to recover from.
1: No, knee injuries injuries suck. Um, I haven't seen any news on the right thing, is it? Do they say that there's no timetable, or have they just said nothing at all?
0: Uh, So Wright said himself that he didn't know whether it was going to be a few days or a few weeks or whatever. He basically just said, you know, my knee is talking to me, and I have to listen to it.
1: There's a um, conspiracy theory in the OTM comments that the conditions were a little wet last night, Mm -hmm. and Wright doesn't pitch well in wet conditions. And so he is eligible to come back for his next start. So there's a conspiracy theory that this is fake and this is just to get him to skip a start and get an extra roster spot in between. But I don't really buy that, but I didn't know if they had uh, said that he could be back that soon.
0: Yeah, I don't think the team has really said much. Um, It's just been the comments that we've gotten from Steven Wright. But in the meantime, it does look like uh, Brian Johnson is set to get that start in his place on Thursday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, so you're probably listening to it on Thursday. Um, that's going to leave no lefties in the bullpen. They called up Justin Haley. I thought that was kind of interesting that they decided to go with Johnson there. What did you guys think of that?
1: I think they – well, Beaks wasn't lined up. Um, so it was either Johnson, Velasquez, or – Haley or Chandler Shepard and I think they like Velasquez in the bullpen so Johnson kind of made the most sense out of that um, I kind of have a feeling Beaks is going to get the next one after that um, they'll probably line it up unless Johnson goes like nuts on Thursday but I don't think they're going to make this a long-term thing
0: But why wouldn't they decide to go with a guy like Haley? They they seem to keep calling this guy up, but not actually playing him. Why wouldn't you uh, want to preserve your your righty, uh, your lefty, I should say, in the bullpen and give Haley a start?
1: Is Johnson really a lefty in the bullpen, or is he a long guy? Because he's not really being used as like a lefty specialist, so I don't really think this changes anything for the bullpen. They just have Haley as the other long guy instead of Johnson.
0: Okay, so your argument is basically that they've been using righties against lefties anyway, so it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, am I, I could be wrong about this. I mean, definitely tell me if I am, but I feel I don't really remember Johnson ever really being used in like a big spot against a lefty.
0: Yeah, come to think of it, I can't remember too many. It seems like they've been using Kelly as sort of a... Yeah, party. Kelly's kind of their
1: loopy.
0: Yeah. Brian, what do you think about all this?
2: I agree with Matt. I, I never got the sense that Johnson was a um, like a lefty lefty guy, and it's it just felt more that he was being stashed in the bullpen. And we've talked about this a lot, um, and it seems it seems like they they've had confidence in him building up to here. Uh, and of course, I know where they can get another lefty reliever if they need one. <laughs> wondering how long that was going to take. Yeah. Well, I let you talk first before I mention Bobby <laughs> pointer But it seems like the pointer ship has sailed uh, for them at this point.
1: It's weird. I I'm a little surprised he's not up instead of Haley.
2: Yeah. I am. I mean, from a seniority and sort of. Uh, I guess prospect standpoint, I'm not surprised, but from a performance standpoint in the majors, I'm surprised. But I agree that, and we've talked about it before that Joe Kelly is the guy they use against lefties, so I'm not concerned with taking Johnson out of that role.
0: I guess I, I don't really like the the current bullpen construction all that much, though, because. I guess I don't like the one of the only guys that you can use against left-handed hitters, uh, being one of your high-leverage relievers uh, in that situation. I think it would be better off if the team did have a guy like Bobby Pointer up with the team rather than Justin Haley, because Haley becomes the de facto long man. But you already have Hector Velasquez in the pen as a long man as well. So I don't really I don't really see how this is more beneficial to the team.
1: I would guess that this isn't going to last very long. Um I would I, they might have called up Haley as cuz Velasquez is a long reliever, but they also use him in like important spots when the other high leverage guys need a day off. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have Haley there just in case Johnson like blows up on Thursday and they'll just throw Haley in there to clean it up and kind of like fall on the grenade, and then they might call a Pointer, um, Robbie Scott, uh, for the Yankee series. Um, that would be my guess, because I agree that it is kind of weird, but they've been saying since opening day that they don't need a lefty reliever, and both ends have been pretty good, so, I mean, they kind of know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been working so far, it's hard to argue against that. It's just sort of a bizarre construction when you look at it, but... Uh, However, it has been working. Um, Drew Pomerantz, though, is working his way back. It looks like he might be due for a rehab start as soon as next week if he can kind of get everything figured out and everything feels good. Um, If he does get to make that rehab assignment, do you think they'll slot him right back in?
1: Yeah, if if Wright's still on the DL, then yes. If Wright's not still on the DL, then it gets more complicated.
0: Have you heard um, any reports on him? Like, has he been doing anything? that, Pomerantz? Yeah, Pomerantz. Like, has velocity been better? I mean, that, that was I, a big knock on him, right?
1: Yeah, um, I haven't heard anything like that. I don't know if they've really gotten that deep into, like, his throwing program. Um, but, yeah, that was the big thing because people were comparing it a lot to last year when he kind of got off to a rough start, but last year he never was – sitting in the 88-89 range. So um, that's obviously the thing to watch whenever he does go on rehab. If he's throwing like 91, 92, 93, then I'll be pretty confident in him. If not, then uh, I think he might be toast at least for the year.
0: So let's paint a scenario here. Um, Wright ends up having some long-term knee issues, so he's not available. Pomerantz comes back and he's still throwing 89 or so what the hell does this team do for that fifth rotation spot going forward? Is that going to be something that could potentially be filled long-term by Beaks?
1: Well, I think they would give it to Pomerantz no matter what, if Wright's still in the deal. They're going to give him a few starts um, just because he's, he was so important to them last year. And yeah, he's been bad this year, but they're not going to like just totally take that away from him without giving him another shot. So, if that doesn't work out, then, yeah, Beaks, Velasquez, Johnson. We've talked a lot this year about how many of those back-end guys that they have in the upper levels, and this is why they kept all of it, because pitchers get hurt. So I don't think they're going to make like a deadline move or anything, at least not how things stand right now. But, um, yeah, that fifth spot's kind of a question mark for right now.
0: All right, so the bench for the Red Sox is also something that's looking a little bit strange these days. The Red Sox have called up Su Wei Lin as well. Um, he's gotten a few starts. He got that one start when um, Xander was out with a finger injury. Uh, I wish Xander would start, stop sliding head first. It's really driving me nuts. Um, but Blake Swihart still isn't getting much playing time at all. Um, Brian, what do you make of the bench situation so far?
2: Um, say that again Jake I'm sorry I was distracted
0: so the, the bench situation right now with Suwe Lin up Swihart not getting a lot of playing time Eduardo Nunez not really uh, you know playing much these days either it seems like the bench doesn't have all that many usable parts at this point is that why Sue Lin came up in your opinion or what's going on here because they seem content to use that three man bench for a while
2: yeah, and the fact that Eduardo Nunez can't field, even though they keep putting him out there um, at second, at least. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe they just needed to get a real glove in there. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be too drastic, except for when Cora batted suway lin leadoff, which i think he just did because they did the lineups really late and scratch mookie late that would be my guess but i don't really have much many thoughts on it it feels just like a passing it's something that's going to pass quickly and if not we'll just be he'll, he'll just be a standard defensive replacement very occasional starter
0: So we did get a question from one of our uh, listeners on this. Uh, Otis Hart asked us a question. How many more days do you give Eduardo Nunez in a Red Sox uniform? Uh, Entering Wednesday, he ranks 1,135th in war this season. Um, Matt, I want to ask you, if Eduardo Nunez can't figure out, you know, the fielding thing and isn't hitting well, I mean, what do you think about this bench situation and, and his worth to the team?
1: Well, as far as how long he's going to last on the roster, um, I've said this before, but there's no way you get rid of Nunez before you get rid of Blake Swihart. I mean, it just makes no sense. Um, Swihart also can't play the infield, and he's uh, been... Nunez has been really bad offensively. Swihart has been like exponentially worse. So... I think that Nunez is definitely playing too much, and I think that um, we talked about this last week, the Red Sox. If Pedroia doesn't start showing like real signs of improvement soon, they should be looking for someone who can fill in at second base. But I am of the mind that Nunez is going to last the year with the team. Um, it's just a matter of getting him a smaller role and getting him away from second base more often. I don't know why he's playing over Holtz so much. Um, not that Holt's like a gold Glover or anything, but he's passable and Nunez just isn't even that. So I am a little bit higher on Nunez, just mostly because Blake Swihart's still around. Um, I just I don't understand how Nunez would go before Swihart. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: If the trade deadline comes and goes and Swihart and Eduardo Nunez are somehow still members of this bench, would that be surprising to you though? Shocking. I'm writing about this. Brian saw my headline
1: in our editor, but um, yeah, I think I think it's time to get rid of Swihart now. I agree. I just mean, I would stick with the three-man bench and just have Lynn and Swihart's old spot, but. I mean, Swihart isn't doing anything. I don't know why he's just taking up a spot, and you might as well just use that for an extra arm because, I mean, they don't really have a bat to replace him with. But just at, they need to. Hopefully, Dombrowski's working the phones and trying to do like an early trade for a depth um, bat, and he they were looking at um, what's his name, Mark Kana? I don't know say his name. But, yeah, the guy on the. So they uh, they've been looking. Yeah, they've been looking for bats, and so I would just cut bait with Swihart now, let him get a fresh start as soon as possible, and just uh, move on. And maybe he'll clear waivers. I mean, we talk about him like he's gone, but there's no guarantee that someone's going to claim him. I I would think somebody will, but it's not like he's given anyone a real reason to.
0: I would be totally shocked if he didn't clear waivers, though. I mean, if he if he did clear waivers. Uh, it just seems like the whole reason why the Red Sox have been stashing him all year and not playing him is because there is some semblance of trade value for him. And it seems like whatever trade the Red Sox make that he's going to be some sort of tag on to that trade. And especially when you talk about teams who are clearly in the rebuild process, teams like the Detroit Tigers or you know the Kansas City Royals or something like that, it's teams like that that could stand to have a player like Blake Swihart on their team getting reps at catcher.
1: Yeah I get that and it makes sense but I mean at a certain point you're just wasting a roster spot and I mean we're halfway through the season now tonight's the 81st game and like every game is pretty important I don't know I just feel like it's getting yeah I'm just getting frustrated that there's just been they've
0: basically been playing with the
1: 24-man roster all year.
0: Yeah they need to make a trade and they need to do it ASAP.
1: Yeah and I mean to be fair it's not that easy. Another team needs to want to trade
0: too. So Matt, you did write about uh, some trade possibilities for the Red Sox. You've been writing about, you know, matchups for the team in both the American league and the national league. I wrote about some specific players at some positions, but today you wrote a really interesting article about the Red Sox getting a little bit creative and using some of their high minors pitching depth um, to be attractive to some of the teams that are a little bit closer to contention, you know, fringe teams like uh, the Colorado Rockies or the Oakland Athletics teams that envision being able to compete in the relatively near future, and then trading from that glut of depth starting pitchers that the Red Sox have and um, high minors, relievers especially, I think is where they have tons of guys. Um, That seemed like a really interesting idea to me, and one that I could see them employing at least partially, you know, if they made a trade with the Oakland Athletics for like a Trinan or something like that, maybe it would be some combination of prospects and some of these high minor guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, that's the only area of depth that the Red Sox really have in the farm system. And generally, they don't have a lot of value at the trade deadline because you're talking about teams like the Orioles and the White Sox and I don't know, pick another awful team that is like three or four years away from really contending. They don't want like Ty Buttrey or um, even Travis Lakens or someone like that. Um, But someone who thinks that they can compete 2019, 2020, those start to become more valuable. So um, I honestly don't know how those teams would value those guys, but I think that's, really I mean if you're going to take advantage of your farm system that's really the only spot you can and you have to at least open the conversation Um, the one downside which I mentioned in that post was that those are teams that are more likely to wait longer and kind of see where they are this year before they start selling off pieces so um, the Red Sox are probably better suited to make a move right now which kind of contradicts that strategy, but um, the, the main point is Dombrowski has to get creative because they don't have the high-end prospect to just go out and dangle to get the guy they want, so they need to figure something else out, and that just kind of made the most sense to me. Does the,
0: does the Stephen Wright news do anything to sort of throw that plan, you know, to disrupt that plan a little bit more because they have to think about... Preserving some of that high minors pitching depth for their own uses.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I guess it kind of depends on how they feel about Shepherd. Because if they don't really think that Shepard is an actual rotation depth piece right now, then they can't really get rid of Beaks because they don't know what else they have in the back of their rotation. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely does make a difference, and it's not something I didn't really know much about the right injury when I was writing that post I think I might have written it before the right injury actually so um, that definitely changes things a little bit
0: Brian another name that's being floated out there that I think is really interesting to all of us we we all love this guy is Adrian Beltre Um, tell me why Beltre would be such a good fit for the Red Sox
2: well I think that good thing about getting adrian beltray is he's adrian beltray and uh you get very positive energy just by having him but you get a chance to spell devers you get good defense um at third he can hit and uh he's someone obviously that the rangers don't have a lot of incentive to keep uh, at least in theory he would be a good fit if they insist especially if they insist on playing Nunez at second, which they are doing today's Wednesday, obviously, as we said, as they're doing again today. So the more they wanted to do that, uh, the more it helps them to have another third baseman who isn't Devers, uh, especially one who is a Hall of Famer. Um, I, lo- I mean, I like that. I like the idea of getting Beltre because he's just, he's Adrian Beltre, man.
0: The the dude also crushes lefties too, which is a pretty pretty good thing about him.
2: He crushes everybody. Well, not crushes everybody, but he's he's you know he's great. Um, the Rangers have him spe- at this point specifically to trade him to a team like us in this situation. So, I
0: could definitely see that happening. Um, Matt, if the if the Red Sox were to land Beltray, how does that sort of how does the lineup shake out? In, in, in terms of how much does Devers play? Where is Devers playing? Um, is J.D. going to get more time in the outfield? Like, what would it look like if he was on the team? Um, that's a good question. It, I think it would kind of depend on
1: how Devers was hitting at the time it, the trade happened. Because um, if he was hitting poorly... I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a couple weeks in Pawtucket to just be like, go mash these bad minor league pitchers and get your confidence back. And then they would come up and, yeah, I think we would probably see uh, some JD in the outfield, Devers at DH, some Devers on the bench. Um, It would be a good problem to have, but it would be a little bit of a logjam. Um, I think that – I would probably guess that he would spend some time at Pawtucket, though. Um, just to kind of clear things up for a little bit, especially if Bradley's still hitting and obviously Benintendi and Betts are. So, um, yeah, I guess Pawtucket, I'm talking myself into that.
0: I could definitely see a scenario, though, where um, Devers gets some time at DH, Beltray gets to play a third base, and uh, Jackie sits well. Uh, Benintendi moves over to center field, and JD plays left field. I could see that happening, especially on nights when they feel like they need to have more offense.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I don't think they're going to sit Bradley. All the, I mean that makes their defense significantly worse, and it's not just JD out there. Benintendi is fine in center field, but I mean he's nowhere close to Jackie Bradley, you know? Right. So,
0: but is I mean, what's the 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 cost benefit to that is? you're getting more offense, you're losing some defense, so how do you balance those two things? Because I think you could make an argument that on certain nights against certain pitchers, that offense is going to be more valuable than what you lose in defense. Sure, but as Devers, like, Bradley is hitting better now, and Devers
1: is still, like, really inconsistent. I don't know if the difference at the plate is as big as you're making it seem like. Um, I'm looking up numbers right yeah Devers is his WRC plus is 13 points higher than Bradley which obviously isn't nothing but I mean Devers has an 81 WRC plus it's not like he's this juggernaut you know right I don't know if it's I don't know if it's really worth it all that much to do it super often I mean sometimes if Devers is on the major league roster obviously he'd be doing that a decent amount but um, I don't know if it's something that you like. Feel like you have to do more often than not.
0: JD um, Martinez though has hit much better this year when he's been playing in the outfield.
1: Yeah, I don't really. I don't know if uh, I don't know the numbers, but I mean I can't imagine that's something I would really buy into.
2: Matt, be careful what you say about Rafael Devers because if you in if you uh, intimate that he's going to be anything other than. Hall of Famer or All Star, the the
0: Twitters will get you, man. <laughs> the, the
1: Twitters can have me. I'm, I've given up.
0: <laughs> the Twitters will get you no matter what you do.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't care
0: about them anymore. Um, another interesting uh, injury note to talk about. We've been talking about the Red Sox going after. Hold a on, window. he hasn't
1: been that much better as a fielder. Who? Get the fuck out of here, Jake. What? his ops as a dh is a thousand and four uh-huh left field is 1066 and right field is 1149 yeah i
0: mean average that's not those two together man
1: well it's... i can't do that because it's like playing time's way different and this isn't letting me do that but it's not that i mean he's got a thousand four ops as a dh i think that that'll work isn't it better yeah, but not, like, significantly. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. It's a nonsense stat is what
0: I'm trying to say. Fine, whatever. <laughs> All right, getting back to my point. Thornburg is uh, going to throw two innings pitch this week for the first time. Oh, wait,
2: wait, wait. wait. At the, what point was this your point? <laughs> yeah, night, I was no trying movie. to get
0: to this point <laughs> this before. <is> totally new. <laughs> this, is, this is what I was trying to do. I was trying to move on before I was harangued by Matt about this point.
1: I stand by it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was like a that was a cheap shot as I was walking out of the place. Worth it. <laughs> All right. Uh, relief. I'm going to talk about relief now because we talk about relief a lot. Internal option here, Tyler Thornburg is going to get to throw two innings this week as he rehabs, two innings at the same time. He's only thrown one inning at a time throughout his rehab so far.
1: Still going to throw one inning at a time. They're just going to come back to back.
0: <laughs> Shit. all right um guys are you intrigued that tyler thornberg can actually do something this year is this a good sign i mean he hasn't been great in his most recent rehab outings
1: i have no idea he's a total he's been a wild card since opening day and that he still is i'm like i'm starting to get optimistic but i think it's just because i want to be so i'm just like talking myself into it but I mean, we have no idea. There's no reason to believe really anything. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. His surgery that he's coming back from has a pretty rough track record. So I think anything they get from him is a bonus, but I'm still a little bit excited.
2: I'm a very little bit excited, but I don't think anything he does should preclude them (laughs) from going out and trying to trade for someone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, Um, I made a lot of people angry by intimating that Jackie Bradley Jr. was a bad hitter in one of my recent articles, Um, and uh, Jackie Bradley has enjoyed a little bit of a renaissance this past week or so. Uh, He had a good game yesterday, for sure. Um, Talk me into Jackie Bradley Jr. Is he a good hitter, like most of our comment section thinks, or... I mean, what what the hell's going on with this guy, I guess? Because Jackie Bradley is hitting the ball hard this past month. That's something Alex Spear wrote about recently. I guess he has the third highest exit velocity on average of any player in the big leagues over the last month. However, to me, when I watch him, he still looks like an atrocious hitter. Guys can shift on him. He hits the ball hard, but right at people because where he hits the ball is predictable. Um, I'm just not... I, I've seen so much Jackie at this point that I feel like Jackie is not a good hitter, and I'm pretty confident in that. So why am I wrong? Or am I wrong? You're not. Oh.
1: Oh. I was not expecting that, Brian.
2: Explain yourself. I mean, he's been good for, like, he's been a a very good hitter, or even a competent, I mean, maybe a little bit more than competent, but... For like four separate months stretched across, maybe five stretched across his career. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm much more on Jake's side than I am on the uh, – his hitting is what's – makes him valuable. Or Well, of course. Well, I yeah, I know, but I think it's still a little bit ridiculous to go out on a limb for him given what we've seen. Yeah, maybe he turns it around permanently, but – If I were betting, I would say in a month, he's just going to be flailing again. So, Jake, I agree with you.
0: This is a landmark day for us, Brian. I think this is a a first for the show. All
1: right. All right. So the last two years, there have been 12 months of baseball, not counting this year, the two full seasons. And he he was above average in seven of those 12 months. So it's not that it's just been like a month here or there. He's usually about half the season, and he's streaky, which we already knew. So I I don't think he's a good hitter either, but he's – I want to play him more often than not, especially the way he's looking right now. He's He is hitting the ball better. He looks like he's about to go on a hot streak, and I wouldn't be surprised if the last three months of the season he is above average – in all three of the final months.
0: Have we um, ever seen him be above average for three months in a row?
1: Yep. To start 2016, uh, I just had those numbers up, and I clicked out of it by accident. But yeah, um, the first three, four months of 2016, he was above average. Let me see: 110, 209, 114, 122. Were the first four months.
0: So, four of those months that he was above average came in one season. So, that's why I'm and remembering then three so in much in shittiness. What? I'm just saying, like, recently, he's been more shitty than he has been good.
1: Well, last season, he was good. He was above average in... Oh, I fucking hate Fangraphs. Ads are ridiculous. He was above average in May, June, and August. So, that's half the year.
2: Yeah, baby. Above average.
1: Nailed well, it. Well, I mean, you factor in the defense, that's an all-star?
2: Like, that's I a mean, wh- hold on. pretty was he amazing all- player. W- was he an all-star? No, I'm saying that's okay. an all-star caliber player. Well, but he wasn't an all-star. Okay. I mean, if we're
1: basing it on all-star birds, then Brock Holt should be, like, the number two hitter every day.
0: That's right. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um, so, Matt, you trust this guy, though. It seems like you, his streakiness and his What's the other come, option? Well, the other option is you go out and trade for someone and relegate yeah. him to a bench role permanently no, and fix the bench issues.
2: I disagree no with you now on that, Jake. I just feel like whether he's a good hitter or not is a thought experiment. I, maybe I don't take it to the same uh, extent you do, but I would not say he's worth replacing um, at this point. Uh, if he if his hitting is rebounded to the point where it's fine, and I just don't think it's good uh, on a macro level. I think that's.
1: I mean, I don't really think it's. I if I were to predict any given season, like season ending number, I would predict him at like a 95 WRC plus, which is fine but given his defense and the rest of the lineup.
2: Are... I think the ceiling is not very high and the floor is very low.
1: Ooh, I would disagree with that. The ceiling, I think the ceiling is huge because we've
2: seen it. No, we had over over six months.
1: We've seen it over four. I don't think he's going to reach it either. But what, I mean, that four ceiling years exists.
2: Ago? Three years ago. In
1: 2016, so two years ago. Mm.
0: Matt, a 95 WRC plus would be higher than his career WRC plus average. Yes,
2: oh shit no. Jake just got you
0: No that includes I those mean, first I two mean, years
1: where he was like a complete joke
0: Yeah but he's he was definitely a, a joke
1: for a couple then. of years
0: he was a complete yeah, those joke first until two years. weeks
2: ago this
1: year. <laughs> I mean, JD, like, would you use JD Martinez's career WRC plus to say who he is because no, he was he completely changed
0: his approach though. Has Jackie completely Matt, Jake, changed
1: yeah, his approach? Jackie Bradley is a totally different hitter than he was in 2013,
0: 2014.
2: Totally, he different. couldn't hit two weeks ago. Yeah, but the, it I mean, had not all season.
1: You really think that looking at 2013 and 2014 are like? Legit, for Jackie Bradley. Okay. Especially for 2014. That was – he hit he for no power
2: back. the exact he same was. thing in May. <laughs> you don't have – you can look to it, but you can't say it's ancient history because he's, he did it. Like he's he has bouts where he does it for long stretches.
1: Yeah, I, but he also has bouts now where he's like the best hitter on the team. And we, he that he we never haven't seen had that this year. Though. Yeah. Well, well, well no, well, well. but we've seen red. that a lot more recently than we've seen him have a full season. Like he did in 2014 and he has been really good for the last couple weeks. Even if the luck hasn't panned out.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Um, but again, these are just, they're not, we've talked about him, not just in this context, but we talked about him when he wasn't hitting and whether, whether they would replace him in our, um, our conclusion was no. Then, so now that he is hitting it, you know, it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think he's he's always out of place on this team. I mean,
2: the off season
1: things might change, but I mean, right now I can't imagine they don't have enough trade pieces to fill all their other holes plus getting a starting outfielder. I just I don't see it.
0: Do you think that the team could use him as a chip to get a better starting outfielder, package him with other stuff? I would be shocked.
1: You, you don't really see contending teams do that. Especially, I mean, Bradley strikes me as a guy that the rest of the team really likes. And so trading like a core, like, Bradley's not a core piece in terms of talent, but, I mean, he's been around for this entire run. He is, like, part of the team. Trading someone like, one like that in the middle of a playoff race isn't really something you see very often. I would be very surprised.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would be surprising. I just wonder if you were offered something like, I don't know, a, a deal with the Oakland Athletics to trade the rest of Jackie Bradley Jr.'s control and some prospects for a guy like Chris Davis or something like that. You'd obviously make a deal like that. Um... I think I don't know about that, but if you could that's, get, I mean,
1: that's right,
2: train, training in and somebody, I would say that if you could deal Jackie and get two people back on a team that has been running a 24 man game, there's something to that. But I think that Matt
1: Davis, Davis makes that I mean, that train makes the defense substantially worse on an yeah. everyday basis. For a pitching staff that is, like, crazy fly ball heavy.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's definitely a risk, but, I mean, the offense that he brings is undeniable.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, for all of, like, the concerns about the offense, they haven't really had
0: trouble scoring runs. No, they're great. It's not I really mean, a major concern. They're great I don't know, offense.
1: I, yeah, I don't think they need, like, a major facelift like that. Like, again, in the offseason, it's a different discussion. You kind of have a blank canvas a little bit, but... I mean, I just don't see disrupting a roster like that in the middle of a playoff run. It just – it doesn't seem like – like it, even if it makes sense in a vacuum, that's not really the way to go about things.
2: Jake, just because commenters disagreed with you doesn't mean they have to trade him. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, the, the
1: one if thing you seem to know that any better commenters disagree with me literally every day. That is oh, my life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's just a rite of passage. Um, but in terms of Jackie Bradley Jr., just give me a second to look forward here a little bit more. Um, not Jake, hold on one second. Let me yeah. get the final word here, okay? <laughs> Lila, 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 should the Red Sox trade
2: JBJ, yes or no? Yes. All right, well, sorry. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. Um, I like that. Yes, I, I know. Um, but, but I want to just talk about his ARB values a little bit, though, going forward. I have a feeling that this is going to get a lot more complicated after this year because Jackie Bradley, I expect, is going to be pretty far apart uh, from the Red Sox in terms of what they're going to be willing to pay him and what he's going to want.
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, it's – I have no idea how the rest of the year is going to go. So, I don't know, it's never really seemed like they've been far apart before. And arbitration is so weird, I I really don't have a good enough idea of how it really works to have a good opinion on this.
0: Fair enough. Let's get to some listener questions, guys. Uh, First listener question comes from uh, one of our sister sites at SB Nation, Fish Stripes. Uh, And they are asking us about a potential trade. Uh, What if the Marlins traded Derek Dietrich for Josh Ockamy? Would you guys make that trade? And to give you some uh, context here, um, Derek Dietrich is currently hitting um, 303, 354, 491. Uh, He's having a great season. Uh, He's got 11 home runs, 38 runs, and 30 RBI. Uh, for the marlins and he has team control uh through 2020 so a couple more years after this one
2: yeah i like that trade. i like it too
1: um the thing about dietrich is that he's not very good at defense either so he can play second base and third base he's kind of just like another eduardo nunez just he's hitting better right now um but yeah i mean for Akemi, I would do that in a second. I would assume they would have to give up more than just Akemi for someone that good with that much control, though.
0: Yeah, I love the trade idea. Uh, Akemi is one of these fringe guys who may or may not end up. Playing I like Akemi too, but yeah, oh, I think I'll play the big leagues. He can be a little passive, though. You have to admit at times he he sees a lot of pitches.
1: Yeah, um, that was that's like a big knock on him. And it's working. I mean, the question people didn't know if it was going to work in Double A because it was kind of when you're in the lower minors, pitchers are wild, so you can just like, if you really want to, you can just get your on-base percentage way up there because you know they're going to throw four balls more often than not. But I mean, he's it's still working for him as he moves up and. He's he's kind of like Sam Travis, where he had never shown in-game power, but this year he's showing a lot of power. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's like a future star or even like a starter on a good team, but I think he's a big leaguer. I like Ockman
0: I'm just shocked that Doc Ock isn't his nickname yet. What? I don't. Brian. Know, I, don't... Brian so no, I know. I know. I was...
2: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing like 30 seconds ago, but. I didn't nice. say it.
0: All right. I don't know the reference. Uh, they, Dr. Octopus. He's a uh, a villain on Spider-Man. Oh, bunch of nerds.
2: Jesus. I only saw the movie, Matt. Calm down. <laughs> I'm not calm.
0: He's part of the Spider-Man canon. Yeah, you sound really
2: worked up. That's true. Very upset.
0: All right. Next question comes from Andrew Buonopane, payne and he says – Uh, What are the chances that Price and Pedroia are still with the team in 2019? Um, Can I tackle this one first, guys? Sure. I'm going to say that Price pitches well the rest of the year and opts out. And the only way Pedroia is not with the team in 2019 is if he retires.
2: You have been beating this opt-out drum for – Did we ever make a bet on
0: that? We didn't. We decided that we were going to but haven't decided on terms just yeah. want him to if um, he keeps pitching like this he's out
2: I don't know I don't about so. that did you pay attention to last offseason
0: I did yeah
1: I don't think so either
2: and do you know and everyone who has money this year is not looking to spend it on David
0: Price I'm pretty sure the Yankees would sign David Price Um, I, isn't like the thing about Price that he doesn't want to play in a market like that I don't know he's played for every other AL East team except for the Orioles so why wouldn't he
1: but, like, isn't that your whole thing is that he doesn't want to play in Boston? Why would he go to New York? Yeah,
0: that well, doesn't make any- That's even worse. The, the, the Red Sox suck against lefties, so he'd want to get back at the Red Sox. Yeah. You're really
2: projecting with Price. You're just, have the, all, the, every Price conversation is an opportunity for you to say he should opt out.
0: He should opt uh, out. Okay, let's 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 answer this question then for Gordon Comstock. Be, I think they
2: will both be on the Red Sox next year.
0: Yeah,
1: one hundred percent chance for Pedroia and like ninety-five percent for Price.
0: Okay, let's ask. Let's answer this. Gordon Comstock asks us: uh, Would it be a good thing or a bad thing if Price opts out? Matt, would this be a good or a bad thing for the Red Sox?
1: Probably good. I
0: guess. Of course um, it would be good. That was the whole thing about this was that, like, your best-case scenario is that you get good years from Price and then he opts out and you don't have to pay him when he sucks.
1: Well, Um, but the other side of that is that the Red Sox still want to win next year. And so... And if he pitches well enough to opt out... Yeah, losing Price makes them worse.
2: Yeah, I I think they're focused... On, I don't think it's good for the Red Sox if he opts out. It's good for their pocketbooks. Yeah. But I don't think – I don't know if it's good for the overall uh, – without That's without taking into account how you would replace him with that money. That's what I was going to say. Um, I would say it's not good for them. But if you do take that into account, maybe it's good. It's good
1: if they reinvest it well.
0: I, I don't know. Chato, yes, yes. I would bet give. that Dave Dombrowski is really hoping that he opts out.
1: I mean, I think that you are, like, way different from me and Brian on Price. And, I mean, Price is, like, feeling himself right now. You know, he's, like, giving it back to the media. Trellick,
2: wrote a, a of, yeah, Trellick like, wrote a column. Yeah, Drellick um, wrote okay, a column. Drellick was basically like, no, for he's for great for Boston. Like, because he's just I'm a – I'm into it. He likes I'm this is it. what I've been saying the whole time, that Price – doesn't get along with the media because he's like he's like them and he wants to mix it up and when he's not pitching well it frustrates him but when he is he'll give them shit. Like I
1: They asked him
2: about did you see his
1: quotes last night? Yeah. Yeah about uh, um they were asking him about he's pitching in New York on Sunday night and they asked they asked him about that. He said I don't think I'm gonna be able to pitch. I'm gonna be playing Fortnite And he's definitely feeling himself and he's into it and I love it.
0: I don't know. I think I'm more in the uh, camp of uh, our listener Eric R. Henderson, who asks us, "Can I continue to hate David Price the person while rooting for David Price the pitcher? Will this eventually tear me in two? This I ponder. That's kind of where I am right now. No, he I just mean, you can do it the shit out of me.
1: It's. I mean, as long as you're not being like a total like asshole about it, like whatever. I've definitely. I mean, I don't particularly like Stephen Wright, but I hope he pitches well. So, I mean, there's always people on the team where you want them to do well. And it's weird, but that's just part of being a sports fan. A lot of athletes kind of suck. I don't think David Price is in that camp at all. But, like, ask a lot of Yankee fans don't like rooting for oldest Chapman. But when he comes in at the end of a game, they hope he gets the save.
0: I will say, though, David Price's stuff last night was filthy. And also, on that level...
2: Price is not even on Chapman's level. No, no, no he's course not course even not. Remote
0: no, remote
1: I, you know. He's not on Wright's level. I mean, it's not, he's never done anything like that. No, he's David
0: just... Price is he's he's a good like it would by the by most measures that you judge a person like it seems like David Price is a good guy. I just think that. The way that he banters and handles the media annoys me personally, but it's not like I, I think it. he's a bad person. I wish everyone
1: was like that with the media, to be honest with you.
0: Like, I want Mookie Betts to, like, just
1: stroll in and just, like, fuck with Dan Shaughnessy during a press conference. That is my dream.
0: That would be so exhausting.
1: Oh, it would be fantastic.
2: It's not as exhausting as listening to you talk about him walking <laughs> out for the 50th time. I mean, it's not, it's not really exhausting, but it's... uh. Are you, I think our positions are pretty clear on here. I just don't get how you can split the difference between if he pitches well that you wouldn't want him back. <laughs> because make...
0: I, d- I guess I don't have confidence that he will continue to pitch well. So I think that what, if he pitches well, what about well, his career? What about yeah, his? He, that takes that confidence from you because he's he's entering his mid thirties here. You know he's yeah, yeah, yeah but, but when th- there
2: are most the players of his level do not age the same way the other yeah. players.
0: Sure, but exactly. so he's been dealing with elbow issues as well. Is there's just that could be a ticking time night, bomb. How did they work last night? Yeah, it looked good last night. I'm just saying if you get out of this year with a David Price who's got like a three and a half ERA, over two hundred innings pitched, and he opts out, you thank your lucky stars that you don't have to pay him the rest of that contract.
2: Well, I don't. I just don't know about that because, first of all, why would he think he's gonna get more money?
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, the free
1: I, the free agent market last year was like we're forgetting about that a little too quickly, and but, I think people are a little too that. confident it's gonna
2: bounce don't back. Don't even need to take that into account because he's uh, what three? He'll be three years older now, or four? So he'll be. 33 next year. So why would any... I mean, knowing... Jake, you're right about pitching agent curves. Why would anyone give him the same amount of money the Sox gave
0: him back then? Well, maybe they would give him less money uh, per year, but over a longer period of time or something like that. I mean... I don't
1: know if he... I don't think he's getting more than four years. Jake, you just (laughs) want it
0: to work so badly. (laughs) I do. I don't want... I don't
1: think teams are paying older free agents anymore. I mean, I think that's what we learned last year.
0: I don't think... Machado and
1: Harper are going to get paid, but... Nobody
0: else's. See, I don't think we learned. I think that last year could be a one-off just simply because it was the year right before the giant free agent class that everybody's been saving up chips for. I don't right, know if we can take as much up away to from spend that. spend on David Price. No, but not everybody's going to get David Price. I mean, not no, everybody's going to get many chips. Who, who turned saved saved
2: into a, to a Cy Young winner? That's, again, sure,
0: who really is. saved
1: the Yankees and the Dodgers? Yep. And that's
0: it. Well, the Red Sox didn't have an option to save because they're they were already so screwed before that. I mean, the Astros okay, didn't the, go out and like spend The Astros have never spent. No, but I'm saying the Astros have the ability now to add because their payroll sure. is still not good. Sure.
1: They've always had the ability. Like, let's not get that twisted. They've just chosen not to use it, but I I have I don't know. I have no faith that the owners are actually going to spend in I mean, it just goes back to when the CBA expires that shit's going to hit the fan. But I mean, I think young free agents are going to get paid bananas amounts of money. And that's going to be the thing that becomes a narrative and say, oh, people still do get paid. But these free agents hitting the market at like 32, 33 are still going to be getting like three-year deals when they used to get five or six.
0: We we have like 20 years worth of data that says differently, though. Like, why is one year swaying you, Matt?
2: Because... We also have 20 years worth of data that middle infielders can't hit opposite field home runs on bunts, and now they do it all the time. I mean, the the game is changing. Like,
1: the front offices are changing rapidly, and it's... uh, I mean, the, the whole discussion around last year, J.D. Martinez, I don't care if it was only one year, it's insane that he didn't have a huge market last year. It's absolutely bananas. And it's not just because Bryce Harper is a free agent this year. I mean, things are changing. And, I mean, you see the way that the media reported it, and especially like media people that are close to teams, that that tells you what teams are thinking and what the narratives they're trying to get out there. And it was a lot of these guys just don't age well and the contracts don't age well, which is true, but it's also shitty for free agency and for the game but that's yeah. a whole other
0: campus so. it'll be interesting i'm definitely going to be more on your side if this next free agent crop doesn't sort of pan out the way that i expect it to i think that people are going to spend a shitload this next year not just on the premium guys but teams that miss out on the harpers and the machados are also going to spend a lot but who is that like who are those teams like who are Other the big than the market Yankees teams and in baseball? Yeah. I mean Seattle could spend, the Angels could spend. Um, you know, you're looking at the Central, the Cubs should spend, um, the Giants definitely should spend. It definitely worked out for offense. Seattle
2: and the Angels in the past to sign giant contracts.
0: Oh, so what? They just shouldn't try it anymore. I hope. Uh, I mean,
2: I hope you're right. I just,
1: I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm just
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. People should stop
2: signing 30-year-old over 30 guys to huge contracts yes they should stop that well I don't agree with that well depending on the guy obviously
1: well no I mean until the until people unless they start paying the younger players then they need to overpay the older players that's just how it works that's how baseball economies work
2: well maybe not for long
1: well it's definitely not for long we're gonna be having a little bit of time without baseball in a few years
0: for sure Bold prediction, but you could be right, and that will I don't suck. Think it's, that bold. it's gonna suck no matter what. Um, during the during the lockout though, do the minor leagues not play either?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. When was, I mean, the last lockout was what '94 94. or strike or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was three years old. I have no
0: idea. Brian, you were probably like thirty. So yeah. what happened then? <laughs>
2: I, I wasn't paying attention to the miners, so I could not tell you.
0: <laughs> All right. Last question of the day comes from Justin Gabbard, and he asks us two questions about John Henry and the Red Sox. Uh, he says, does John Henry really lose any sleep over Yaki Way, and do we feel like there's a conflict of interest with the Red Sox owning the globe? Uh, Brian, I feel like you Please. might be the perfect person to tackle these two first.
2: Sorry, Jake. My nanny is leaving and there's a, mil- a million things going on. Just say that again.
0: Sure. Um, do you think the Red Sox really lost sleep over Yaki Way? John Henry, do you think John Henry lost sleep over Yaki Way? And do you feel like there's a conflict of interest with the Red Sox owning the globe?
2: Um, there might be a conflict of interest. I don't care. I don't think anybody lost sleep over it.
0: about the change in the name? No, I think people got sleep over it.
2: Me, specifically.
1: Um, No, I I think they were asking if they lost sleep over it being named Yakiwa.
0: Right, like if that racist connotation that some people associate with it really upset the team. Or Um, or John Henry, specifically.
2: uh, I don't think they lost sleep over it, but there's a lot of things that are wrong that you don't lose sleep over that you can still fix.
0: Matt, what do you think? Yeah, that was pretty much
1: my exact answer. As far as the globe, I mean, there's definitely a conflict of interest, but 99.9% of the time, I mean, it doesn't really matter. We're talking about baseball. This isn't, like, real reporting that matters. No offense to, like, beat writers. I read your stuff, and I like it, but like, these reports aren't like, changing lives or anything, so... I don't really care that there's a conflict of interest. As long as they're still employing writers that I want to read, like Alex Beard, then I don't really care.
0: Yeah, also like media magnates have owned teams for ever now at yeah. this point. So it's not like that's, you know, some new thing that's occurring. So Yeah, I mean Jake, there's, there's like no free
2: scandal. press anymore.
0: There's no free press anymore.
1: If there's a scandal with like the ownership, then that becomes a problem because I wouldn't really trust the Globes reporting on it too much. But, I mean, other than that, like, as far as roster construction and stuff, like, I don't I don't think John Henry cares enough to, like, really influence that kind of reporting.
2: Yeah. Uh, hey, Jake, I got to go. So All right, you buddy. You guys can finish up. All right, bye. See ya. Bye, Brian.
0: All right, so that about does it for today's podcast. If you enjoyed listening Wait, to Jake. the – Hey Jake. Oh, yeah. What's up?
1: Do you like movies about gladiators? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yes uh we got a question about liking movies about gladiators uh i do like movies about gladiators specifically is there... the one called gladiators yeah are there other movies about gladiators that aren't gladiator there definitely are some like old-timey movies about gladiators uh spartacus i think is one oh, yeah. um and uh yeah i mean there are there, there are definitely movies about this genre so okay I mean, I enjoy the Gladiator genre.
1: Gladiator's a good movie. That's the only Gladiator movie I know.
0: Yeah, uh, and in fact, uh, wasn't some of his yeah some of his memorabilia was just uh, on on sale uh, because Russell Crowe? Yeah, Russell Crowe like. Is
1: he having some problems?
0: Yeah, he auctioned off a shitload of stuff. I think he's like getting a divorce or something like that, and then um. Oh. Uh, John uh, Oliver bought his jock strap from Cinderella Man and uh, sent it up to a blockbuster in Anchorage, Alaska uh, to, to be displayed. So uh, that was pretty <laughs> awesome and hilarious. Okay. And then they actually named a uh, Koala Bear Chlamydia Ward in Australia after John Oliver.
1: So. Whoa. Did you say a koala bear chlamydia ward? Yeah, That's a yeah. Thing so exists.
0: koala bears get sexually transmitted diseases with some frequency, and they go to this ward to be treated, and it is now named after John Oliver thanks to Russell Crowe.
1: This is just a bizarre, bizarre way to end this podcast. I did not, <laughs> I did not think we were going to talk about koala STDs.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a, it's surprising, but uh, definitely check that out. It was a good episode of John Oliver, and. Uh, Yeah, it's good. Um, So if you did enjoy the podcast, please go on, rate and review us. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at at Brian BrianJoyner, Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. You can follow Matt on Twitter at at MattRYCollins. You can follow myself on Twitter at at DebJake. And lastly and most importantly, you can follow the Over the Monster Twitter handle at Over the Monster for all your latest Red Sox news. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back with you next week.